Father, we thank you for this time together. Uh, we thank you for the gift of our mothers. We thank you for the uh, Lord, the influence and the love that has been extended to us as an act of grace from you through our mothers. Lord, I pray for those who uh, this is a difficult day for, that you would encourage their hearts, that you would minister to them. And Lord, we, we celebrate this time in thanksgiving to you and to our mothers. Uh, speak through Wendy and through Susie as they come, and we will give you the praise and the glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Ron. We are delighted to be here today. <clears throat> I always count it a privilege and a joy to come to anything Rock Point. Uh, we've had an interest in your church and uh, the way God has blessed you and, of course, in the life of Ron and Allison for, for several years. And so it's really um, a privilege to be here, and, and thank you for inviting us today. Um, <clears throat> I'm Susie Hawkins. Let me just need to introduce ourselves. I'm married to O.S. Hawkins, who's been a pastor for many years, and we're in ministry. Um, We have two daughters, Wendy, our oldest, and Holly, her younger sister, who was supposed to be here today um, with us. We agreed, Wendy and I have agreed, that this is some kind of a cruel joke God played on us because of the three of us, Holly is definitely the star mother. And so she's homesick with a stomach virus. which means we know what her week is going to be. But um, anyway, we are thrilled to be here. I wish she could be here with us. Um, but Holly has three children, ages 7 to 2, and Wendy has two. Why don't you introduce yourself to me? Okay. My name is Wendy Hermes, and I live in Dallas with my husband, Brian. Uh, we met while at Baylor Law School, and we're both practicing attorneys in Dallas. And I have a 6-year-old who's just about to finish kindergarten, and a very much two-and-a-half-year-old boy who gives me a run for my money every day. <laughs> I will take law school. I will take anything above the bar exam of <laughs> uh, dealing with him. But he, he's a joy, but a challenge. <laughs> uh, toddlers. Yeah. Do we need to say any more about toddlers? Um, well, today we are going to be talking about <clears throat> the Proverbs 31 woman who is quite an example in Scripture. Um, and you can turn in your Bibles. It's the last chapter in Proverbs 31. Anytime you look at a passage of Scripture in depth, as you will know, you need to understand the context of it. <clears throat> and the Proverbs 31 woman is a woman who is held up as an ideal in Scripture, the ideal woman. Um, Christian women have always had a bit of an ambivalent relationship with the Proverbs 31 woman. We love her, we honor her because she's unbelievable and wonderful and makes all wives and mothers look good. On the other hand, we secretly hate her because who could possibly live up to all of these standards? Who could possibly do all the things that she does? So I want to say a couple of things about her. Um, The whole book of Proverbs is wisdom. If you've read through Proverbs, you know there's always a contrast between the wise and the foolish. And so the writer of Proverbs, King Solomon, completes the book with the epitome of a wise person, and that is the Proverbs 31 woman. Everything about her reflects wisdom, her decisions, her choices, her words, um, her abilities, everything is a picture of perfect wisdom. And so she's the epitome 
of the wise person. Um, <clears throat> and everything about her, her home, her business, her family, her community, her relationships, everything reflects wisdom. Um, it's, I think he mentions this previously in the book in Proverbs 14.1 where uh, the King Solomon says, A wise woman builds her house, and that is really what or her life. And that is what uh, is happening here in Proverbs 31. But I want to say, remind you of a couple of things. That first of all, she's not really a real person. She is a description. If you read the entire chapter, um, the wife, the queen, more or less, is talking to her son, her young son, who will assume kingship. He will become king. And she is explaining to him <clears throat> excuse me, what he needs to do to be a wise ruler, a good ruler. And the most important thing he sa- she says to him is that you must marry a woman who will help you, it will bring out the best in you, and a woman who will help you make, who is a wise woman, who will help you make wise choices. So the first thing we need to remember, does everybody understand she's not a real person? Yes? Okay. Secondly, keep in mind that <clears throat> this not real person, also of all the things she did, she did not do all of these in one day. This is a composite of her entire life. <laughs> she didn't sail to far shores and not sleep at night and make her own needle and thread or whatever she did um, every single day. This is a composite of her whole entire life. And, of course, it all reflects wisdom. So we're going to look at three aspects of her life today. We're going to look at her resourcefulness. Wendy's going to talk about the worth of her work. And then we will talk about she smiles at the future. Uh, but first, we want to read the passage. You can read along with us if you'd like, and Wendy's going to read it. We're reading from the message. Okay. Starting in verse 10. A good woman is hard to find and worth far more than diamonds. Her husband trusts her without reserve, and he never has reason to regret it. Never spiteful, she treats him generously all her life long. She shops around for the best yarns and cottons and enjoys knitting and sewing. She's like a trading ship that sails to faraway places and brings back exotic surprises. She's up before dawn preparing breakfast for her family and organizing her day. She looks over a field and buys it. Then with the money she's put aside, she plants a garden. First thing in the morning, she dresses for work, rolls up her sleeves, eager to get started. She senses the worth of her work and is in no hurry to call it quits for the day. She's skilled in the crafts of home and hearth and diligent in homemaking. She's quick to assist anyone in need and reaches out to help the poor. She doesn't worry about her family when it snows, Their winter clothes are all mended and ready to wear. She makes her own clothing and dresses in colorful linens and silks. Her husband is greatly respected when he deliberates with the city fathers. She designs gowns and sells them and brings the sweaters she knits to the dress shops. Her clothes are well made and elegant, and she always faces tomorrow with a smile. When she speaks, she has something worthwhile to say, and she says it kindly. She keeps an eye on everyone in her household and keeps them all busy and productive. Her children respect and bless her. Her husband joins in with words of praise. Many women have done wonderful things, but you have outclassed them all. Charm can mislead, and beauty soon fades. The woman to be admired and praised is the woman who lives in the fear of God. Give her everything she deserves to festoon her life with praises. Okay. One of the things that I think is um, most evident in this proverb is the praise and the recognition of the resourcefulness of this wife and mother, that she is amazingly resourceful. 
I recently read a little saying a friend sent me that said, whatever you give a woman, she will make it greater. Give her groceries, she will make a meal. Give her a house, she'll make it a home. Give her a smile, she gives you her heart. She multiplies and enlarges what she has been given. And I think this really uh, speaks to the resourcefulness of this particular woman and women in general. Women in general. And I believe that's because God has gifted women with managerial skills. They are able to make a life for themselves, make a life for their husband, make a life for their family. And they are resourceful. They are, this woman is economical. She's efficient. She's energetic. She uses her money wisely. Um, she's resourceful. I'm sure that in this uh, congregation this morning, there are many of you, maybe some of you that have been single moms, and you know what it's like to live on a single paycheck and have to make that money, stretch that money from paycheck to paycheck. And not only make the, the paycheck stretch, but have enough to pay for the children's school clothes and their tennis shoes and fees and all of these kinds of things. And somehow you make it work. There is something about women Somehow they can make it work. They figure out a way to make it all work. That's resourcefulness. I believe another part of this is just the managerial skills, being able to keep everything going at once. Some of you, um, I know your life is just crazy, is it not? You, you resonate with the woman who gets up before dawn to think, where's everybody supposed to be? Where there's what time? When? What are they supposed to take with them to school? Where are they supposed to? It's a, it is a major job to keep to track everybody all day long and to keep everything going that is resourcefulness and that is managerial skills and those are the things i believe that god gave women just like this woman that they gave he gave them to keep the family on track and to keep things moving and so i want the husbands and dads in this room the children i want you to recognize and watch this week the resourcefulness of the woman in your home, your wife and your mom, and see and notice how she keeps things going. Very often, families don't notice this, but it is crucial to the family success and to the well-being of the children, the well-being of the manage, management of the home, and that is the amazing resourcefulness of women. I want to talk just for a minute about the concept of work as it applies to mothers. Um, I mentioned a second ago, I'm an attorney, I'm working part-time now with little kids, but when I'm talking about work, I'm talking about much more of a broad concept other than just careers or working. So let's look at verse 18, um, well let's back up, verse 17, first thing in the morning she dresses for work, rolls up her sleeves, eager to get started. She senses the worth of her work, and that's where I want to just kind of camp out in that little phrase right there for a minute. She senses the worth of her work. What work are we talking about? What kinds of things do you do in your daily life, moms, women, that are work? Um, well, obviously there's being a wife. Um, don't let it shock you, men, but that does take some work sometimes, being, <laughs> do, meeting your husband's needs. Um, parenting, what we've mentioned earlier, um, whether it's the very intentional parenting involving discipline and things like that, or if it's just the little teachable moments that you try to seize upon when they come, or modeling behavior, which is, of course, the, the best kind of teaching that we can do for our kids. Parenting is work. 
um, managing the home, as my mom was just talking about, coordinating schedules and baseball games and soccer games and lunches and just making sure that everyone is where they're going to be. What time are you going to be home tonight? Okay, well, we have this. And just coordinating the management of the home. That's work. That in and of itself is a lot of work. Um, also, of course, there's the obvious work, which is a career. Uh, some women work full-time. Some moms work part-time. Some moms Again, some moms work full-time, some work part-time, some have businesses that they run out of their home. Uh, that's ob the obvious uh, work is a career. Um, some women have skills or hobbies that they use outside the home uh, for, to volunteer. That's work. They're putting their investment and their effort in it. I was watching the um, blonde lady down here earlier directing the children's choir, um, and that's work, <laughs> giving your time and energy to children's ministries or to a charity or to your volunteering at your kids' schools. Giving your time and your effort and your energy towards something, that is work. The verse says that she senses the worth of her work. What does that mean? It means knowing and recognizing that your work is worthwhile. Whether if it's at home with your children, whether it's at a job, whether it's using a skill or a hobby or, or investing in your husband and your marriage, your work is worthwhile. And, you know, sometimes there's an obvious benefit that we get for our work, and we know it's worthwhile because we get a paycheck for it. There's an obvious benefit with money when it's a career. But other kinds of work, there's not such an obvious immediate gratification that you get. You have to just know that deep down it is worth it. Um, for example, like we were talking a second ago about parenting, doing the little things day in and day out that we pray are going to raise our children in the fear and admonition of God and that are going to make a difference in the long run. We can't necessarily see a daily gratification, instant gratification or knowledge of the worth of that, but we know that there is an eternal worth in it. Um, I wanted to speak just very quickly just to the moms in the room who work who have some kind of um, job outside of the home, full-time, part-time, business, running out of your house, anything. Um, I think that it's important to acknowledge that that is a unique section of, of women's ministry today. Um, and that I know your church is doing a great job of reaching out to, um, to working moms. Um, the, the statistics that I saw said that 71% of mothers living in America today are working in some capacity outside the home. That's a huge chunk of the population, 71%. So this proverb today should, instead of just like Mom was saying earlier, just making you feel completely beat down, this Proverbs 31 woman should actually be an encouragement to those of us who do work outside the home. If you look in verse 16, it says she looks over a field and buys it. Then with the money she's put aside, she plants a garden. She's looking at property, she's investing in it and buying it, and then she's putting her money somewhere else. This is a businesswoman. This is an entrepreneur. There is a way, according to Proverbs 31, to be involved in the business world and in the inner world of enterprise and still keep your family a priority and still not neglect your family while at the same time be in the business world. Um, when we talk about sensing the worth of your work, I think it's also important to make sure that we acknowledge for a lot of working moms, you're doing what you feel, you are using the gifts and abilities that you believe God has given you in a unique way. And sensing the worth of that is something far beyond finances and 
um, that it's going to be a payoff in the future. It's going to help. It, although they do help all of those things, it'll help pay for school, that kind of thing. But there's there is an inner knowledge that you are doing what you are doing because God has given you these skills and abilities to do them. And that should provide a sense of worth, finding value in what you're doing, in, in whatever kind of work it is that you're doing, all those different kinds of work that we mentioned before. Um, for working moms, the ones that, that I talk with regularly, we definitely sense um, what I call the elusive balance out there. Like, how do we balance it all? How do you do it? And how do you manage your home and keep your husband and children a priority and still do what you need to do at work? It's a constant pull and tug, in my experience at least. And um, I definitely don't claim to have it all figured out at all, but I think it's something that is just kind of the way it is. It's a constant pull and a constant tug. And one thing that my mom has always told me um, when I've been expressing this frustration to her at different times is, to do for your children what only you as their mom can do. And then if there's other things that somebody else can do, like clean your house or something like that, let's be able to do that. But convenient the, application of that yeah. <laughs> um, But to the extent that there's things that only I can do for my kindergartner, Hallie, if I can only do those things for her as her mom, that's what I need to do, make sure that I can do those things. So it's just a constant pull and tug balance, I think, for for most working moms to figure out um, how to keep our priorities in check and still do what we need to do. Um, I think that in the evangelical world, in the Christian world, sometimes uh, women feel lost in an evangelical construct of what the godly woman is supposed to look like. And I think that perhaps there's been somewhat of a problem in Christian circles sometimes in that we've failed to teach these women that we are created in the image of God and we are to uh, conform ourselves to Christ when sometimes women feel that they are women feel pressure to conform themselves to the Proverbs 31 woman but not so much to conform ourselves to the image of Christ so just a reminder and this is a reminder to me too just to all of us that before we're wives and before we're mothers we're created in the image of God and that God has created us in his image to worship him to live as verse 30 says that mom will talk about in a minute to live in the fear of God and so as you as you go today on Mother's Day I would just encourage you to sense the worth of your work again whether you work outside the home whether you are at home Uh, managing your household with your children, with your husband, sense the worth of what you're doing um, and embrace the person that God created you to be with a unique set of gifts and abilities that you have that nobody else has just like you to embrace that and use it and know that your worth is your work is worthwhile. Well, and I think that speaks to the value of this woman in, in this proverb, the writer is, picturing her as having immense value to her husband, to her children, to her community, to her world because of the quality of work that she does um, and her worth in that way. Um, The next few minutes I want to talk about finally that she smiles at the future and this is verse 25. Your Bible may say that she shall rejoice in time to come. She faces tomorrow with a smile. you know, we don't know much about this woman, actually. We don't know her sorrows. We don't know anything about her disappointments. 
any problems she's had in her home or with her family. We don't we we don't have any idea of of what her life in that sense is like. And so, in one sense, she's a mystery to us. Um, I saw a <clears throat> uh, attend a conference not too long ago where this was the theme. She smiles at the future from Proverbs 31, and they had a little contest. They put they used as she smiles at the future. They used the picture of the Mona Lisa. Are you seeing the Mona Lisa in your mind now? And you know she has that little smile on her face. And for centuries, people have debated what did that smile mean? Was that some little secret deal between her and Leonardo da Vinci? Was there some little secret she had? Was she happy? Was she sad? what did that little half mysterious smile mean? And the they had a contest for what do you think among the women that night? What do you think is the reason behind Mona Lisa's smile? Why is she smiling? And so they all turned in their suggestions. And the one that was was the woman that wrote, Mona Lisa is smiling, that little half smile, because it's the first day of school. Her kids just went back to school. <laughs> she won. That was, we all agree, that was the best one. <clears throat> but I say that to say that we can look at sometimes this picture of Proverbs 31, and, and we don't have a whole complete picture of her, but undoubtedly that there were disappointments and sorrows and griefs in her life. And there may be some of you today that just as it says she smiles at the future, maybe there are some of you here today as a mom that you've lost your smile, that the future is frightening or it is fearful. There's a fear of separation from your children, a fear of disease, a fear of uncertainty. Certainly we live in a time now of uncertainty politically in the future and, and what our country is going to look like in coming years. You know, there's always something like that out there. And so there are many times there are women on Mother's Day who don't have that smile. I don't know if there's any more complicated relationship in the world than mother and child, maternal love. It's so complicated because, I believe, it's so intense. In Isaiah 49, when God was writing to the Israelites and he was attempting to explain the depth and the intensity of his love for them, he used the illustration of maternal love. He said in a rhetorical question, can a mother forget her nursing child? Well, clearly the answer is no. How could a a mother forget a baby who is nursing at her breast? And he says, no, of course not. Neither can I forget you. See, I've inscribed you on the palms of my hands. And... So the illustration, the most powerful love that God could use to explain to a human mind about his love is maternal love. And so in that maternal love, you find agony and ecstasy. You know, you find immense joy and satisfaction. And then you can also find debilitating pain and sorrow and suffering. And so I want to talk for just the next minute about those of you that have perhaps lost your smile this morning. Um, there are losses in this area. Perhaps your mother has died. Perhaps your mother has, uh, you don't have the relationship with her that you would like to have had. Uh, there's grief. There's disappointment. Perhaps you have older children who have made poor decisions that you prayed and worked so hard that they would not make. Maybe the same mistakes you made, and they've made them. Um, and the guilt Ah, oh, the guilt as a mother. Is there any end to the guilt? Um, you know guilt. It's the gift that keeps on giving, right? It's your guilt the way you're a mother. You treated your mother. Not you, honey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the way you treated your mother, 
the things you say to your kids that you swore you would never say. And not you. Not, not me, you. I know. <laughs> and here they come out of your mouth, you know. And, oh, the guilt that um, we as moms sometimes suffer. Um, and just the intensity of that worrying and being uh, concerned about your children. I read recently a statement that I love that says, a mother is only as happy as her least happy child. I don't know. That's got to be in the Bible somewhere because it is so true. Uh, your happiness as a mom is so often dependent on the happiness of your children if they are happy and doing well. So how do you smile at the future? That's one of the things I love about this woman, that she can smile at the future. Why can she smile at the future? It's found in verse 31. That charm is deceitful, verse 30, charm is deceitful. That means sometimes it works on people and sometimes it doesn't. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. We all can agree that we don't need to go into that. We all know how quickly beauty is passing. But a woman who honors the Lord, she shall be praised. And this is what God is requiring from women, from wives and moms, that you fear the Lord. And that, of course, as you know, does not mean to be afraid he will do something to you, but it means to honor him it means to respect him. It means to obey him. It means to follow him. As Wendy talked about, above any role you have as wife or mother, to follow him as a believer, as a believer in Jesus, um, as someone who looks to him, worships him, and uh, seeks to honor him in every single way in your whole, in everything about your life. And that is what. Um, the Lord honors. That is what he wants from us. And you know, when you can get that straight in your thinking, you can smile at the future. Because we do not determine our future. We are not little feathers drifting in the wind. We do not, as Christians, believe in reincarnation or fate or any of that. No, if you are following Christ, he has a destiny for you. He has a direction you are going. You are walking that road with him. And it is not just some random wandering through life. No, you have a destination, you're on a journey, and we are going somewhere. And so as you do, you honor him in all your ways, and he will care for your future. Koi Tin Boom was a great Christian writer, an amazing Christian woman. She was not a mom. She did a lot of spiritual mothering. She and her family had Jews in World War II in the Netherlands, and she and her family all ended up in a concentration camp, and she wrote extensively about her experience there, all of her family except Corey died. And one of the things that she one of her quotes that I think is so profound, she said, Never fear to trust an unknown future to your known God. If you know God and you are walking with him, the future does not have to be frightening. It does not have to be scary. It's an unknown future, but you know your God. And you know who you're walking with. And you know that he will lead you every step of the way. So moms and wives today bless you on Mother's Day and children and husbands I'm trusting that you will make a big deal about that and honor her and uh, honor her for the worth of her work and pray that your whole family then will be able to smile at the future Father thank you for this time we've had together thank you for the families that are represented here today how I pray that you would bless them uh, Father that this would be a special day of love and appreciation uh, that they give to each other. And Lord, we thank you that we can trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.